0: Welcome back to the Normalized Breastfeeding Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Simmons, and I'm excited to share with you our special guest feature for today. Before we get into it, I'd like for you to click that subscribe button below, share this video or podcast, and be sure to follow us on social media. All right, let's go. Welcome back. We are live with our guest, Jasmine Marquez, IBCLC, and author of Breastfeeding All Around the Bay. Her passion is preventative health, specifically in the field of maternal and infant child health. She received her master's in public health from San Jose State University and completed the UC San Diego lactation consultant program. She has over nine years of experience working with breastfeeding mothers and their families. She sat on the board of the Bay Area Lactation Association from 2016 to 2019, and her first children's book, Breastfeeding All Around the Bay, will be released in the spring of 2020. The book aims to normalize breastfeeding to the youngest of readers and add much-needed diversity in children's literature. Jasmine, we're so happy to have you on today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: And so this is the official normalized breastfeeding podcast where we discuss education, experiences, advocacy, activism, and infant feeding in the community. Today, we're recording live with Jasmine from the Boob Hive in Lafayette, California. (laughs) (laughs) And this is episode 21. Uh, Jasmine Marquez, IBCLC, creates children's book, Breastfeeding All Around the Bay. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you all to shop the Normalized Breastfeeding brand on our website, normalizedbreastfeeding.org, and to support this podcast and content creation. If you're interested in being a featured guest or a sponsor, listen until the end for more information about how to get in touch. All right, Jasmine, so let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So were you born in the Bay Area? I'm just curious. Yeah, I was actually born in Queens, New York. And um, the, my whole family was still kind of up and down the East Coast, but we moved back out to California when I was only about four months old, So I to the Bay Area. So I'm definitely a Bay Area California girl, but it has been fun to go back and visit. Um, but course. I, I stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> when of I go back to New York. <laughs>
0: Tell me a little bit about being a San, a San Francisco 49ers fan. This is like my favorite part of your bio. You
1: <laughs> oh. know, it's so exciting. I After love like it. Two seasons of winning no games. We have like GQ, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm so excited. Um, and yeah, I have been a 49er fan my whole life and so excited that the guys are doing well this year. Um, but even when they're not. I am a Niner Faithful. And so
0: um, when you say you're a huge fan, like yeah. how big are we talking? Like, do you guys dress up like that for Halloween? Do you guys do like... We know just- this, year
1: we- <laughs> this year we were actually uh, Red Riding Hood. And I was the granny and my husband was the big bag wolf. Uh, wolf but <laughs> um, uh, Yeah, I mean, every Sunday when I was working um, nights at the hospital, I would not, if the guys were playing like on a Monday night or Thursday night, I'd be like, I'm out. I can't, I don't have availability. I'm busy that night. Like right. I am a, we watch football all season, all day. It's, it's a, uh, we're a football house. So, and they yeah. haven't, they just built the new stadium out in Santa Clara. So uh, we haven't been to a game yet there, but I did go to a few games at Candlestick when that was up in the city itself. So
0: it's fun. Very cool. Very cool. I'm sure we've got some 49er fans listening out there. So I know there's that relation there. So tell me a little bit about your passion for preventative health. I know that, um,
1: you know, what did this inspire your journey into human lactation? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off as a nursing major when I was in um, college and I volunteered at a hospital and uh, they put me in the emergency room and I saw so much preventative stuff walking through the door. And I also realized that uh, nursing was not going to be my path <laughs> uh, yeah. that I, that I uh, followed. Um, and I was then trying to explore what else I could do or I could still be working with moms and families. And um, I started volunteering with WIC. Do you know the program, Women, Infants and Children's program? Of course, of course. Yeah, and they're big breastfeeding advocates. And I, uh, I changed my major to public health. So I got my bachelor's degree in public health and then I went on to get my master's degree in public health too. Um, but while I was at San, um, volunteering for WIC, it was just um, opened up my whole new a world to breastfeeding. I had no idea what an IBCLC was. I didn't know that you could like specialize in breastfeeding and help moms. And I thought I always wanted to be in the delivery room, but um, not going the path of OBGYN or nurse, uh, lactation consultant was kind of perfect. I could have my own private practice and then still work with the itty bitty babies and, you can't get much more preventative than right out the womb with breastfeeding. So it's, it's perfect.
0: That is so true. That's so true. We actually have, we have a shirt in our shop that says straight out of the womb. Straight out like, the- oh, like <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you realize that if you can get, if you can knock it out right as that baby's coming out, it makes just the whole journey so much easier. Yep, absolutely. Why were you inclined to sit on the board um, of the Bay Area Lactation Association?
1: Um, I'm a huge advocate of networking. I think that you get a lot of uh, opportunities um, offered to you when you put yourself out there and meet other professionals in your area that are doing the same thing that you're passionate about. So when I was still um, a CLE, I uh, started going to the um Bay Area Lactation Association uh, meetings. And um, I met some of the lactation consultants there and they had a communications position open that kind of worked with their Facebook and their the emails out there. exactly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, being one of the youngest ones there, I think you kind of just get oh, a millennial, you know, Facebook, go for it type. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm borderline millennial, but um, I said sure, so I stepped into that role and I was on that for a couple of years, and then I moved into the secretary, recording secretary position, and um, mm. it was it was a great opportunity. Again, I met so many people and a lot of opportunities. Um, come out of volunteering and and being a part of something like that. So
0: true. I I actually sat on the board for the California Association of Midwives Mm -hmm. uh, here in California, um, but down in San Diego as like a regional rep back in, when was that? 2000... Ten, 2011.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: right before I went into photography, I was considering becoming a midwife. Yeah. And so my midwives kind of encouraged me. They're like, just get, in, get involved and kind of see how you like it. And I was going to school and stuff. And I liked it a lot. I think when it came to midwifery, though, I was like, I was just nervous. Like, I think because like having someone else's life in your hands and both the mom and the baby, you know what I mean? It was just... It made me a little bit too uneasy. So tell me a little bit about your clinical work. So I know that you said that you have a, you have a private practice. Thank you work you. with a little bit volunteer work with WIC. Mm-hmm. What else have you done? Um, I, worked,
1: I worked at the Baby Friendly Highland Hospital in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, which was a fantastic um, opportunity. Uh, I worked there for a couple years, and um, it's not technically a county hospital, but they do get funding from the county. But it's oh, a wow. it's a catch all hospital, so you still get a lot mm-hmm. of um, undocumented and um, people without uh, health insurance. And mm-hmm. it was a fantastic humbling uh, population to work with and I worked there as a lactation consultant, uh, mostly in the evenings after um, I had my daughter, um, because I was a lactation consultant before I had my daughter, my first child. Right, right. So once she came along, um, we tried to figure out a way to not do uh, child care. So I worked in the evenings and my husband, uh, we kind of high-fived when he came home and I walked out the door to, to, get, to, <laughs> to get to work. But yeah. Uh, and then I also work at my daughter's pediatrician's office currently. So it's a private practice pediatrician's office. So I see the new babies there. Also.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I love hearing that. There's so much to, to the story that brings this all together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so as a mother of a 19-month-old, yes. what can you advise our listeners about setting feeding goals and um, what does it mean if they don't achieve them?
1: I think um, setting realistic goals and like small goals so that you can, so that you reach them and you celebrate those small goals, right? So Mm -hmm. if your goal is to breastfeed uh, for 20 months and you reach 20 months and it's like fantastic, maybe I can go until two years or even just another month. I would like setting small goals like that. Um, And then also uh, breastfeeding toddlers in general is a, is entertaining. They are all over the place. A lot of the time, it's just kind of like a snap and then they're gone. Right, <laughs> right. Like, They're
0: like, oh, I don't need this right now. Yeah, I need this there.
1: making sure I still can get get it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so just enjoying enjoying the the whole the process from when they were itty bitty, just on your chest and needing that all the time to now where they still need you and they're still just checking in and, and getting mm-hmm. a little... Snack. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying that, um, even if it's short sure or even if it's coming to an, an end, and both of you guys are are ready. Um, I think that's important.
0: So it's so funny. Like I agree with you. It is very much like a check in, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at it like this is these they're developing these habits for life, right? Because yeah. any mother is going to be there for her child. For their entire life, as exactly. long as the mother is alive, right? Exactly. And so we do as children, we check in with our mom. We yeah. check in, you know, whether it's by phone or email or text or whatever. And then we're also checking in, it's fine, grab her. Yeah. Yay. Hi, baby. <laughs> Hi. Oh, she's like, I just woke up. I don't love you. Mama <laughs> <is> right. <laughs> right? No worries. Do what you gotta do.
1: Thank you.
0: But it's it's funny because uh even as, as adult children, you know, we'll check in with our mom, we'll go and grab a snack at her house, we'll, you know, go and have a little talk or whatever. And that is something that I feel like with my, with my last child that I really started to understand this concept of really relationship building. That yeah. is where this all starts. It starts at the breast and it starts with us being able to communicate in a very gentle and patient way with our children that allows them to then grow up and have that same form of communication and relation with other human beings.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: I think we, we see kind of, it's kind of, hello. <laughs> now she looks happy. She's like, I got a little bit of milk. I was thirsty. <laughs> Were you
1: thirsty? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just. Yeah. What was that? Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Checking in, starting off as infants to, to 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 elementary school, to grade school, to middle school. And we're all just planting these seeds right up right from the womb. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Well, and I mean, of course, the public, general public thinks we're going to nurse them until they go to college, right?
1: Absolutely. But so That's not the case. <laughs> no. no, I don't know any 18 year olds on nursing.
0: <laughs> I've never seen an 18 year old say, hey, I need to skip this test while I go get a nursing exactly. break. You
1: know? so. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> I think that validating, um, I don't think anytime a goal isn't reached, I don't like to say kind of, well, it's okay. You did this, kind of like to poo-poo it or to 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 dismiss it. Right. I think you can definitely validate um, goals that aren't reached, and then oh, next <laughs> night. and to. Um, and to kind of reflect about kind of why it wasn't reached and kind of to learn from these experiences, um, what you could have done differently. I know sometimes when people's breastfeeding journeys don't go as they planned um, and say they have the opportunity to breastfeed again with the second child, they, it's important to reflect and look back and say, what could I have done differently or what support um, did I need um, to make it Different the next time, but I like the idea of validating it as a real something that you wanted to achieve and that you didn't, and 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 it's okay. But it's you can also have feelings around not reaching that goal, and then to learn from those experiences to see um, if you have the opportunity to do it differently in the future.
0: Most definitely, you know, like when I nursed my uh, my second child, so my daughter, she she weaned on a nursing strike, which I had no clue that that was even a thing. Right. Yeah. I had no idea that nursing strikes were a thing. And so when she weaned, I mean, it was all of a sudden and I was like, what just happened? Like, right. what did, what did I do? What's, what's wrong? And so she, she just refused to take the breast after that. And I was like, okay, well we got to feed you something. And so we didn't have any stored milk because I was going to school at the time. I wasn't pumping. I was actually giving her formula to take to the daycare Mm -hmm. because I didn't have time to pump at school and there was no real place or accommodation for me.
1: And
0: and then my daycare provider also was not incredibly supportive. Right. Uh, There were times that I asked if I could nurse at the daycare. So that way I knew that she was getting all of the antibodies she really needed. Um, however, she told me, no, that I wasn't allowed Mm -hmm. to nurse in the house and that I would have to sit in my car outside in the, in the parking lot, not the parking lot, but her driveway to feed my baby. And I I have pictures on the normalized breastfeeding blog of me doing that because it was just like, it became a normal thing for me, but I didn't know that that really is not normal. And she breastfed her children. So she told me that that's what she would do. Hmm. and it's like well i i didn't i didn't i i didn't have enough support at the time to say you know what i'm going to go look into another daycare it was like right. i got to go to school i don't exactly. have time for this yep. you know and it's like i'm i'm still nursing at 8 months i'm doing great like that's <laughs> the way i looked at it you know like i'm doing a great job and so um which 8 months is really great it's a long time
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and so uh but yeah i do i do feel like when we have when the support is there and people are willing to let you do what you need to do for your baby, it makes it a lot easier to either reach those goals or if they're not supportive to sometimes not meet those goals, exactly right? Exactly, yeah. when,
1: um, when I was in the UC San Diego lactation um, program, the professor always said, um, you do the best you can with the information and support that you have, right? And yes. it's, it's so true. You do the best yes. you can with the information and support. So um, education, like you said, you, you learned and there's the internet now and you can see all sorts of things and find trusted sources to get information from. But um, if you didn't have that information, if you didn't have that support, um, you do the best you can with what, you, what your circumstances are. And Most definitely. It's great. The effort that people put in, it's fantastic. It is. And I I am definitely one of those every drop counts type
0: of women. So I feel like if you try for the first several hours of your baby's birth, and you're unable to latch and you're having pain and you're cracked nipples the next day, and I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and like force you to breastfeed. I'm not yeah. going to do that. I'm obviously, I have a little bit more education now so I can say, listen, let's look at your baby's mouth. Maybe we need to refer you to an IBCLC and maybe she can refer you to a craniosacral therapist. If there's like a tie or something along those lines. But, um, and I know they're doing a lot of revisions now, like in the pediatrician's offices yeah. as well, which is really great because ties have been a huge issue yeah. for tons of moms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna give you my little theory behind tongue ties. Okay. I have no research to prove this. I just like to, I like to have theories. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. my theory around tongue ties is that a whole generation of women were kind of forced to bottle feed because they had to go to work, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. I believe that somewhere along our genetic patterns, our, bo- our babies' bodies or our infants now that come out of our bodies, They've evolved. I believe this is a form of evolution. And they're yeah. creating this tie to allow them to be able to better latch onto a bottle. Because infant feeding is the source of all health. Exactly. Right? Yep. So if we can't latch on, we can't survive. Exactly. So that is my theory. I think that it's really yeah. like yeah. evolution <laughs> that has really like said, like no, you need this tie under here so that you can get the best latch with this new source <laughs> of yeah. your infant food.
1: Yep yeah right. That's a good. That's a good theory. Because it is, it's I, mean, <laughs> I, I always appreciate when we do the oral assessments. Like I don't like that we have to stick so many things in babies' mouths when they first come out because then we yes. can get a oral aversion. But if moms have signs of cracked nipples, they the baby's not latching for whatever reason. The mom looks to have milk, but the baby right. is still not um, gaining. All those signs point to yeah, we need to do an oral assessment sooner rather than later, so then we right. can address it. Right. Um, so yes, it's, sounds- so, to
0: that point, to that point, I just want to say to any moms that are listening who number one are either breastfeeding in the, in the first week of your baby's life, yeah. or let's say you weaned your baby very early and you will have questions as to why I really believe that those, those first two weeks are so crucial in getting the support mm-hmm. that you need. Mm-hmm. If you wait until your baby's already a month old, Yes, you can relactate. Yes, you can do all of these things to reestablish supply. Yes, you can still latch your baby. Mm-hmm. However, it's a lot more work. Yeah, I think it's so much easier to just it, when you're if you know that you want to breastfeed as soon as your baby's out. <laughs> if you can't get that baby skin to skin, or if there's any type of intervention in that regard, like you trying can. to make sure, yeah.
1: yes, exactly. yes, yeah, trying I to make bet. sure that everything's so aligned. many people prepare for. Um birth, right? Chiropractor, yes. massage, like all these things, it's, all these things, you know, and then people, a lot of people do take <laughs> breastfeeding classes. So if you know that you're going to be breastfeeding, um, have a lactation consultant lined up, make sure yeah. that your hospital has lactation consultants postpartum so that you have that support immediately afterwards. Uh, right. it, even if you think things are going well, I see so many people at the pediatrician's office that I work at since it's covered through health insurance, who may just want to come in and just, check to make sure everything's going okay. And I reassess their latch and they're like, oh, this feels so much better. So even what you're struggling through can can be improved. So I would definitely right. help soon after delivery for sure. Just to get, just get eyes on it, right? I and totally agree that. with that. Make sure that they observe a feeding, make sure that they see you latch the baby. <laughs> um, right, right. Oh, it looks good. And then, um, They head out the door, even though I know that they are overworked, huge caseload. It's really hard. So if you don't feel like you're getting the attention that you need postpartum, right in postpartum, um, see if they have an outpatient clinic or um, if you have the means to have uh, an in-home consult. Definitely do that.
0: Definitely, I I did both of those with my with Mm -hmm. my uh, my first baby, and then also with my second. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, my. my, Oh, it's okay. 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 No, it's fine. Um, so yeah, so I had, I had an in-home consultation with my firstborn and also with my second. And it's funny after I had my second, my, my, my lactation consultant told me, Vanessa, you know how to breastfeed. Yeah. Her baby, she's like, your baby doesn't know how to breastfeed, but you do. So you know what you need to do to make those adjustments. And and it's just, I think it's always especially like those like side of the lip, you know, like rolling that lip roll up. up. Yeah, roll it up. I mean, it's just like a it's a very simple thing, but it makes a huge it, difference. You're yeah. you're sitting there making those faces like <laughs> and then as soon as you roll that lip up, it's like, oh, that was it? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like
1: pointing that nose to nipple, making sure it's on so yes. deep. And we say yes. we don't we don't nipple feed, we breastfeed. You want as much tissue in yes. mouth as possible, right? So yes. like tips and tricks like that can make a huge difference. And <clears throat> excuse me, it may just be something that you're not even thinking of or aware that it could be that easy of a fix. So
0: tell me a little bit about your private practice, breastfed babies.
1: Yeah, I love that
0: name, by the way. With Bay no. as in B-A-Y. Area, A-B. that's right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love
1: it. No, I knew I wanted to go into private practice just because I wanted the flexibility um, since I knew shortly after... Uh, completing all of my education. I wanted to start a family. So I like the idea of kind of the flexibility and, and seeing as many people as I wanted to see and backing off when I didn't. Um, so it's an in-home consult. Um, I have my little Mary Poppins bag full of all my tricks and, and, and demo dolls and bottles. And I uh, go into people's homes and um, spend about 90 minutes or so with them and um, do pre and post weights if that's necessary and um, <laughs> always leave them with a, a feeding plan um, and follow up. So. <laughs> and so did the name Breastfed Babies, did that inspire your book title at all? It did, yeah. At first I wanted to call it kind of uh, Breastfed Babies Bay Area or Breastfed <laughs> Babies San Francisco. Um, okay. But I didn't know if people... I feel like every time people type in my private practice, Google switches it to spell it the right way, babies. So so it's getting lost sometimes in translation. It's it's like, did you mean babies without and why? Since that's not how you spell it.
0: Interesting, interesting.
1: Yeah, so I, um, so. We'll talk more after. I know, I have more after. (laughs) I'm going to work with you on that. We're going to fix that. So, um, so I do just do breastfeeding all around, and it will be a series. So, I started with breastfeeding all around the bay, and then, um, I want to do San Diego and LA, and then leave California and do New York and Chicago and Portland, and okay. just have like a, a huge amount of breastfeeding. Ah, wow. and wow. Did a lot of media blasts, and um, and uh reached out to all of my contacts that I've ever worked at. I've had a lot of jobs, cause I've, I volunteer a lot and I just, and people were so excited about the book. I was so humbled by the feedback that I got that people were like, yes, we need breastfeeding in books. And yeah, I don't actually have many if at all uh, books that show a baby being breastfed, let alone in public or it being the whole focus of the book. So I'm excited and people are excited um, for it to come out.
0: That's so exciting. Uh, Jasmine, do you have any kind of a shameless plug? Do you have a plug or do you want to, you can plug your social media or do you have something big that's coming up, an event, a book
1: signing, anything like that? No book signing is coming up yet, um, but I am going to be, the ebook of the book is going to be out by Thanksgiving, so that is exciting. The actual physical copy of the book will be out um, in the the spring, April 2020, um, and Breastfed Babies is my Instagram handle, and babies again is spelled B-A-Y-B-I-E-S.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you know what, we truly appreciate having you on today. And if you have any other resources that you want to share with us and our community, we'd love to have you on anytime. Um, Just reach out and I really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been fun.
0: so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Vanessa Simmons and I'm your host of the Normalized Breastfeeding Podcast. We're looking forward to hearing your story and featuring you on this platform. Send us a message if you'd like to be featured or email me directly at vanessa at normalizedbreastfeeding.org.